When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam, and we are a Belly Up Sports podcast, saving the world one baseball podcast at a time. We are what they aren't. Brandon, how you doing? LJ, doing good. Valentine's Day, day after the Super Bowl, supposed to... I was hoping, yeah. I was gonna say I was hoping that that uh, baseball would be my Valentine this year, but yeah, unfortunately, um, the pitchers and catchers are not reporting today as originally scheduled. Rob Manfred's quote, "Great proposal." Um, we're gonna get into here in a few minutes, but in big news this is episode number 250 of mlb daily lj it has been quite the ride so far we started this podcast the day after christmas in 2020 and uh it's been quite the ride both at school now um both sophomores and uh excited to cover you know, we got college baseball starting. We got the KBO that will be starting in a few months. So there will be a lot to talk about in the upcoming months. Uh, perhaps not Major League Baseball, but college and KBO, uh, NPB. Lots to talk about in the future. Brandon, just wait until we are out on the Cape. Doing live coverage from the Cape. Oh, dude, I am so down this July. summer. I'm so down this summer to come down to Cape Cod. Um, but yeah, I just, well, let's get into the uh, ongoing state of this lockout because this is just getting to the point where it's ridiculous. You know, at one point it's entertaining to an extent to have the drama, to have the coverage, but 
now, I mean, at least I thought it, we'd get more progress than this because at this point, we would have needed a lot of the things that are not even close to being decided upon to be decided to hope for May baseball, I feel like. Yeah, uh, prior to getting into that, like I said, episode 250, we will be ending the show with kind of, we're just going to talk about our best moments, our favorite moments from the show so far. So don't worry, we will try to keep the somber talk just to the lockout as we actually have a very good story after that prior to our best moments. But LJ, shall I pull up the... I guess, all right, here, here we go. In a meeting this afternoon, which was Saturday, February 12th, Major League Baseball presented its latest offer to the Players Association. The meeting lasted less than an hour, with the players coming away, quote, unimpressed, which was a word used by not one, but three separate journalists. One report saying that the league is underwhelmed by the underwhelmed MLB Players Association. This was a 130-page proposal. Uh, and LJ, I think you remember last time I talked about this uh, bonus pool for the pre-arbitration players. You remember talking about that? The, yep. So it was originally the uh, players proposed a $105 million pool. The MLB responded with $10 million. We've had a little bit of movement, LJ. The players dropped their ask to $100 million. And the owners have increased their offer to $15 million. There we go. Now, there was also a modification to the MLB's proposal regarding the competitive balance tax, essentially the luxury tax. The plan previously was to do $214 million for 2022 through 2024, bumped up to $216 mil in 2024, and then $218 mil, $222 mil the last two years. That's what the league wanted. The players have been looking for the threshold to be at about $245 to $260 uh, for the five years that will be covered by this CBA and um so there's that so they're about so they're 80 million dollars apart on the pre-arbitration bonus pool they're about 30 to 50 million dollars off on the luxury tax and in terms of the minimum salary uh they're about a hundred thousand dollars off so just starting there, because there's more that we need to talk about, but just starting there, LJ, you're right. It's it At some point, it's funny to laugh and joke about this stuff and, you know, like, oh, they're so far apart. But what people forget, LJ, how many people, other than the players in the front office and the executives and everything, are employed by baseball teams, working in the stadium, grounds crew, uh, security, you know, clubhouse attendant. You could go on and on. These people will not have jobs come opening day. And to think about the thousands of people that are affected because two sides can't figure out how to split up $6 billion, it, it just really, 
at some point, and I've been pro player the entire time, I think that the owners have completely lost their mind. But at some point, people need to realize that this comes down to more than just the players getting what they want and what they should get because they 100% should be getting all of this. But there's a lot of other people's lives who are on the line here. And it's just not fair to the fans or for the people that actually have jobs that depend on this. Well, I think you're uh, lowballing the amount of people affected here because, I mean, yes, a lot of people, a good chunk of these MLB organizations are going to lose their jobs if they're not within a critical group. However, you have to look past that because there's going to there's be even more. And possibly, depending on the city, I'm not sure exactly what the scale of this, but I wouldn't be surprised if the amount lost by these cities not having these games ends up being greater than the teams not having the games. I mean, look at, think of the, think of the pizza, pizza shop right outside of Fenway. I mean, reasonably, that place, yes, it's going to get people going by, and yes, people are still going to do Fenway Park tours, but you're not going to get the same money out of it. You're not going to be able to keep that same revenue up without the Red Sox being there. So if you're not able to keep that same revenue up, then all of a sudden the investment that you've been making to grow your business, put it in always really expecting and having to expect, rightfully expecting that the Red Sox are going to keep playing. You're still going to have this flow of people there. That's going to dry up. All of a sudden there's a lot of, especially small business owners who are really going to be screwed by these teams not playing. Think of the pizza shops, think of the bars, think of all of these places that people go to watch games. That really is a dig, but you're right. You're getting finally getting more to the right here with the fact that this is really now on the players. As far as I'm concerned, this is in the players court. Look, I don't think either side should expect to be realistic when you make your opening bids on any bargaining agreement. Well, the last thing I so far past the opening well, part is the no, thing. no, 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 wait, wait, because the last thing you want to do is get absolutely swindled but from what i've seen so far the way i have felt like this negotiation has gone is it has been continually the league stepping up to the plate it has felt overwhelmingly like the league is the ones that have been stepping up to the plate making counters making new proposals that are coming closer to the players and yes it's great that they're trying to make steps that way but these negotiations are about two sides because players associations, it's never good when unions get every single thing that they want and over, overwhelm a, uh, the organization that they work for and they work in. It's never good for that. And so what I see with this last one is I see the players association has completely, as far as I'm concerned, turned to turn to the villain or almost completely turned to the villain because here you have the, I want to say, and I'm blanking, I'm just going to make up the numbers between last proposal and um, this one, but it's got to be pretty close. It was like a 40 or $50 million decrease in what the, um, what the league was looking for for a luxury tax, but they don't want a luxury tax, so that's unacceptable for them to have anything of a luxury tax. And they brought up the minimum wage for 
major league players by a, almost $100,000. That is a shitload for one proposal. You it basically, is. you cut, they cut the difference in half in one proposal. And the Players Association, again, comes out of this underwhelmed. They, they are out here acting like they have no responsibility to be an active participant in these negotiations unless it's exactly what they want. And that's not right for anyone. It certainly is not. And I will continue to read here because there is some other interesting proposals that were made. LJ, you remember us talking about the rule or the proposal that the MLB had made where if you have a top 100 prospect on your opening day roster, they remain on your roster for the entire year, and they finish top whatever in MVP or Cy Young or Rookie of the Year voting, you get extra draft picks. You remember talking about that, yes? Yes. Uh, They have switched up this proposal a little bit. So under the league's latest proposal, a team can receive two draft picks if the player finishes in the top three of voting for multiple major awards. Uh, The best example is Chris Bryant. If the Cubs had kept Chris Bryant on their roster for the entirety of the 2015 and 2016 seasons, the Cubs would have earned two bonus picks for Chris Bryant's award success. He won the Rookie of the Year in 2015 and the 2016 National League MVP. And the other small proposal that the league made was that, uh, so we know option years, you can only be optioned in three separate MLB seasons. You can get called up and down as many times as you want within one of your option years. Uh, But this is just used by teams so that way they can send down a guy like a bunch of times during the year and call him up so you can always have fresh guys out of the bullpen. I get that. The MLB wants to make it so you can only option a player five times per season um like i said there is no limit now um the example they use in the article the tampa bay rays uh recalled and demoted lewis head 12 times during last mlb season uh this five option cap they said it comes with unknown strings attached which concerns the mlbpa uh, the the union is in favor of a limit to the number of options in general, but they would cap the number of moves at four. LJ, your thoughts? Wait a um, minute. So they want less. I think what the union is saying is like the hardship on players to get called up and down a million times during the year because if you stay on the MLB roster you make more money obviously than in AAA these freaking morons but they realize that these guys aren't going to get on rosters if they don't have that option half of these guys that get called up and down rather than calling them up and having a med player they're just going to stick with what they know is going to be consistently good and go without having a little bit of uh security there it gives you even more incentive to just not start these guys service time clocks (laughs) it makes no sense to go any less and also i i just i don't get it i don't get it because they have an opportunity theoretically or or more let me say realistically 
Uh, Lewis Head is the guy who referenced. Lewis Head, yeah, that's who they mentioned in the article. Lewis Head probably has a more realistic chance of make of making more money than anyone under this four person rule. Lewis Head probably made more money last year than most people under the four option rule will, because they're going to be used so sparingly. They're not going to want to bring these guys up. So the vast majority, like the median player, is going to end up with less than him. Meanwhile, you also rule out the fact that first off, yay, you're getting a lot. You're getting a lot of bonuses. Reasonably, let's say he stays up for maybe a week, four days each time. This being, I'm being generous there. I know, but if that's the case, then that's like an extra couple of weeks salary at MLB pay. That's great. The other thing too is you make yourself relevant to the organization. You certainly help your case in terms of looking good to the franchise. If you're able to be that flex guy that they're going to just be able to keep bouncing up and down and say, Hey, we're really glad you're here. That help, that only helps a, an employee. Does it not? No, no, you're, you're spot on. I, I don't know. I'm just as confused as well. Um, this next one, though, LJ, I, I really have been waiting to hear your thoughts on this one. Twitter has been going crazy about this next proposal. So, in regards to the amateur draft, the league's new proposal would reintroduce the, quote, draft and follow concept, where teams could draft a player and then send them to junior college for a year prior to signing them. In addition, prospects who submit to taking a pre-draft physical would be guaranteed 75% of their slot value and cannot be failed by the physical. This is all in response to Kumar Rocker, who, remember, Mets drafted him with a 10th overall pick last year. The two sides never reached a deal. Mets were concerned with an elbow issue that did arise in a post-draft physical. Uh, Bob Nightingale reported that this proposal includes an extra $23 million for bonuses given to drafted players and international signings. Um, question. Yes. I think you saw when my uh, the wheels started spinning in my head. What do you mean by they can't fail the physical? I'm going to read the sentence again because I'm I'm going to read exactly how it, how it's written cuz I had to read this a few times and I'm still not entirely sure. So, it says in addition, prospects who submit to a pre-draft physical would be guaranteed 75% of their slot value and cannot be quote failed by the physical Okay, I, I, I see I see where it goes. Okay, so basically it's a matter of so everyone's gonna get if you willingly take this physical and you get drafted, you are entitled to 75% of that value whether the team wants you or not. I like that. If yes. you're willing to be out forthright with it, then yeah, that's good. Because I mean realistically, if you it the fact that you can't fail the physical makes no it means nothing because people are going to be able to see what's on the physical either way. You're they're going to tell whether you've passed or failed or at least passed or failed in their eyes. And they'll decide based on that, 
whether they think you're worth 75% of that slot value at injured value at potential worst. And if they're not, they're not going to take you. So that's not a big thing. As for the uh, junior college thing, look, it's a very intriguing idea and it's really cool, but I'd like to say, no, thank you. I, I'm just, I don't know. First off, I'm starting to very much appreciate the college baseball sphere. Like I didn't follow it enough in the past. I don't think, but either way, I think as soon as you get um, this type of money and professional leagues being involved and having their hand directly into the collegiate system, that's just, that's just asking for trouble. And I don't think that's the best thing for the game. Absolutely. Well, LJ, to think we can come to the conclusion that both sides are still somewhat far apart. Um, every day that goes by now is just how many? All right, LJ, here's a fun game. For every day that goes by, how many days of games do we do we miss? Is it? It's it's not a one to one ratio, is it? I mean, theoretically, it's one to one. But here's my thing. The way I look at it is in my head, we are still arguing about the base economics of this deal, correct? The core, sorry, core, core, core economics, as they keep saying. Core <laughs> economics of this deal. Which means not only is there more to discuss after you get the core economics down, there's more economics after you get the core economics down. So... There, we don't, I, I don't think we are anywhere close to getting the core economics done. And then in my head, I would like, I wish it was less time, but I would say it's going to be at least three, maybe four weeks in between finalizing the core economics and actually getting this thing finalized and through. Correct? Does that seem reasonable? So uh, I would hope it's less than that, but so basically we are operating at a one for one plus a month. So if spring training, if pitchers reporting were supposed to start today and the CBA was signed today or the core economics were agreed to today, spring training would reasonably start a month from now is my logic. And you have to give a month for spring training because we saw in 2020 when you don't give yeah. the pitchers a month that's to something that's get into shape it's it's not a non-negotiable and i know that most of these most of these pitchers are already working and but i think still. that's also it's also a great thing for um, a lot of like the colleges and stuff in florida mm. to be able to have these guys in there and working it's really good for their image um if we can find at least one positive out of this but no they're not going to be ready to to play they're not gonna be ready to play in two weeks even with their work that they're already doing down there so i just yeah you you have to have the month and i don't think that's something that the players association will let happen having less than a month like because that's another thing too is they're going to be right at the table discussing everything and so this is going to be probably the last thing that gets discussed but at this point if you've already gone through all of this why would you shore up on player safety in that regard if you've already spent all of this time negotiating everything else for that's good for these players, why would you do something that would de is definitely going to hurt your pitchers in 
the final most minute but like the most immediate impact yeah i totally agree and um quite frankly i think we covered the bases on this for now until next week we find ourselves doing this all over again um so much fun so much fun talking about the lockout can we just end it i want baseball thanks sincerely america okay our next story trevor bauer haven't talked about him in a while however comes out last tuesday february 8th the los angeles county district attorney's office is not filing criminal charges against dodgers starter trevor bauer Bauer had been under investigation after a Southern California woman accused him of assaulting her during a sexual encounter last year. Bauer uh, pitched, I think, into June, maybe July. It was July. July, I thought. Only pitched in 17. Yep, pitched in 17 games for the Dodgers. Very good this year. Um, And then had to sit out the rest of the year, the whole playoffs. Uh... Real shame. We that... longer than we got quality Garrett Cole. <laughs> I'm going to act like LJ did not just say that. Um, Trevor Bauer, though, it's a shame that he did have to sit out for so long. But he's back. People on Twitter are still very quick to, to point out that he he should not be playing. I'm not sure what what, what grounds. Oh, yeah, on what grounds they can uh, do that, especially because Bauer was on paid administrative leave for all of last year, so he got his full salary. Still, let's not forget that um, highest paid player in the league, right? Yep. On an AAV basis. If he does not pitch for the Dodgers on opening day, if whenever baseball comes back, if Trevor Bauer is not like on that roster for whatever reason, like pertaining to this, then there's an issue. Because if you have the DA's office saying they're not going to press charges, then clearly the guy is innocent. And he was right the whole time, like he's been saying since the start. And I get that this is a world where this stuff has to be taken very seriously. Like, of course it does. Like, this is not a joking matter whatsoever. But how many times in other sports have we seen guys do much worse than what he did and have no suspension and be able to play? Because it happens. And he, we're going to assume, did nothing as the court deems that he didn't. And he had to sit out half of a season on a championship team, a championship winning team potentially. So I'm happy he's back. Um, hopefully we get to just see him pitch again. But th- however, this will be a stain on his career for probably, yeah, probably for the rest of of his life that we're gonna that this that, that this did happen and un- and it sucks. But I hope yeah, but he gets you know back. What? He did it the right way. He did because. He stayed, for the most part, stayed quiet, stayed calm, and he let the justice system take care of it. And 
you know, in a, in a time, especially for a guy who is so well connected on social media for him to be able to persevere and come through this in the era we are in now where we've jumped to the, all right, we're going to believe every single claim of every single wrongdoing ever. And they're immediately guilty forever, no matter what the evidence points to, um, to be able to get through it in that type of world that set something that I think is fantastic. I'm going to be glad to see him playing again. And he certainly, yeah, he is. Um, it's good to have him back. The only thing I'm going to say, and I'm not saying this is the correct thing. The only thing I could possibly see them doing is giving him a light tap on the wrist, like five games, whatever the first month of the season, just for, you know, the NFL's classic, uh, disrespecting the integrity of the shield or whatever. Like I could see them doing that because, you know, this was a big story for a while. Frankly, it was a, it was a big story. You know, we tried, we tried our best and I think we did a good job of not trying to overly cover this. Like a lot of news media does when not enough information had actually happened. Like it is not, it shouldn't be our right to speculate and shouldn't be our right to share what, share this knowledge as great as it is to share it's not our right to talk about it without everything being known without, without knowing exactly what is true about this situation i think we did a good job with that but a lot of people didn't and so this became a major talking point realistically i'd say until about august where you started to hear that the uh these claims didn't have nearly the same merit that everyone was making it out to be and then everyone kind of forgot about it and didn't care anymore um so either way, though, that, that was like a two-month stretch where it was a major story. And I think they might have to or want to take a little bit of action because of that. But Yeah, and it, should be, and it should be noted that um, – so the MLB did come out with a statement after learning this news. Uh, they said that their investigation is still ongoing and they will comment further at the appropriate time. You'd have to imagine that, that this investigation is just about wrapped up after this. I mean, I'm not sure what more the MLB can investigate that the court already hasn't. So, well, I think But you never know worry, with, these, with these leagues. You never well, know. The bigger worry, too, is they're going to hold him out a little longer now because they, didn't, they have had their... Uh, legal force on this lockout rather than actually investigating Trevor Bauer any further because there's only so much that these leagues can do or should do while the government is doing the investigation like there's no reason for them to get in the way it's honestly worse so yeah as much as there's not anything that they should do and certainly I mean if he's if he is innocent in the court of law if it is being thrown out of a court of law then I don't see any reason for him to be suspended, but they'll still, I think, have to have a little more looking to do. Well, How we doing all right, time? LJ, we have got to the fun part of the show, episode 250. <laughs> LJ, we are just going to sit back, chat for, I don't know, a few minutes. Hot minute. Hot minute. Um... About the best moments from the show, uh, LJ has a list that 
It's MLB on MLB Daily ongoing jokes. Um, he did not read any of them out to me prior to the episode um, because, quite frankly, he wanted it to be a surprise, and he also is not sure <laughs> what some of them exactly mean. So we will try to use our brain power as a collective here and um, figure out, try to decode what LJ or I typed into this document <laughs> for the ongoing MLB Daily joke list that was updated for about a week into the season. Yeah, and yeah, so basically we had decided and we made a really smart idea like, hey, just so we don't forget some of these and we can make some good callbacks later on, let's try to make a list of just all the running jokes in case we ever want something to fall back on. So we started it. It was going for a hot second. A whole four running jokes. <laughs> I don't think it even made it through half a thing. Um, last edit was April 21st, 2021. Okay, so that was 20, 21 days into the season. That's three I don't weeks. think we started at the beginning of the season, but um, <laughs> it it certainly made it somewhere. The question now becomes, are we going to get baseball before the one-year anniversary of this list? There are, there are, of the four, there are two that I understand okay. and two that make absolutely no sense to me. Um, I'm going to start with the obvious ones, of course. The home run trout, one of our favorite calls back when we were doing uh, game recaps every night. Frankly, you know, as as fun as it was to do the recaps i think we've put together a much better quality show since we've moved away from it we've continued to refine this show over the last 250 episodes which is honestly one of the cooler coolest parts about it is that we've been able to just keep working on the concept of what is mlb daily and bring it to something that is fun for us to create but it seems like it's fun for people to listen to as well apparently so it really feels good. But yeah, that was one of our favorites during that point of time. The other one, Brandon, the big red contraption. Oh, yes. Very good. Um, one thing about the home run trout, I'm not sure if you have it in there, but we did create something for Albert Pujols kind of surrounding something like that. Wasn't there, was it Albert Pujols every home run he hit? We'd say something about Big Al's toy barn. Oh, my name's Alan. I hit dingers. Yeah, there oh. you go. Oh, there, there's a couple of good ones. Um, well, but Raffy, yes, the, Raffy Devers is the Prince of Piss Missiles. Yes, Can't that's forget right. That. I remember, uh, I will never forget your father saying, can't believe how many times LJ said Piss Missile on the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, what other good home run calls have we had? I don't know, but let me tell you that that the oh, big red contraption, Perez. Sally. What was it? I don't know. How can I not remember this? I had a good one. Oh well. Um, the big red contraption, of course, referring to the 2021 Cincinnati Reds. Let's not forget about the 1970s Reds that were called the Big Red Machine. Uh, the 2021 Reds were just a team that was fun in April. Honestly, fun the whole year because they were sticking around for the majority of the season. Um, they were Jesse making noise Winker. until St. Louis came in and said, okay, guys, you can you can sit down. Yeah, um, but you know we can't forget Nick Castellanos flexing over the pitcher after sliding into home plate, causing the first brawl of 2021. Uh, we can't forget about 
Jesse Winker just being the early season MVP. I mean, dude was just on fire. I uh, think he had three home runs in two separate games in like the first two months of the year. It was just on a crazy uh, pace. But yeah, Cincinnati Reds. LJ, we can't forget about the hunt for Reds October also. Honestly, the hunts for Reds October, that, that, that gag got me way more excited than the big red contraption did. Because, you know, at that point in the time, too, it's it's the hunt for October. Everyone loves late-season baseball. You're coming out of the dog days. Honestly, there is I, – I know April has its feels, but August, September is where baseball really is. Yeah, you um, could not be more right about that. October uh, is really where it is, but August, September, yeah. yes. It, it's the build-up to October. It is, yes. All right, we're kind of getting redundant here. But Brandon, would you like the, which would you like first, the one that you're more likely to get or less likely to get? I'll take the one that I'm less likely to get first, just so I can figure out what this is. All we have written down is Nikki M. Nikki M. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. So, I mean, that's the only um, Nick, uh, Nick Madrigal. Oh, there's not. Nick Madrigal, Nick Mar Margisivius. You know that dude, Mar Mar Nicky M. LJ, I have no idea. Nicky M. There's Nicky Lopez. Like I know him. <laughs> I don't, I, again, I don't, I, that was the one, that, the first one that made me stop. And I'm like, what the heck did we mean here? Because I can't remember a um, Nick that was that important. I don't remember Nikki. I remember like Bobby Bradley. Like I remember we were very emphatic about Bobby Bradley, but not. Oh, Nikki. speaking of which, hot take. The Indians would have been better off, and I'm blanking on his name. Who was their first baseman for like the first half of the year? Ooh, um, the Guardians. Let's see. Um. Also, the Guardians. Well, I'm gonna get. No, I'm gonna get there. Really the place good. that I'm getting to. Sorry, you were saying. Oh, I really like the Guardians' new new logo. Way better than the C. Um, way better. Really. Uh, their first, so they had Bobby Bradley. Was it Yu Chang or um, Jake Bowers? Jeez, I'm looking through the list I'm here. Like an idiot um, in a minute. 
for not thinking of this name off the top of my head. Franmil? No, he's not a first baseman. He was like the first half of the year. Their opening the day first baseman was Yu Chang and then Jake Bowers pinch hit. Maybe it was Jake Bowers. Either way, it amazes me. Can we talk about how whoever it was, and I can't believe I'm blanking on the name. This feels awful. This is why we usually prep much more for shows, but, you know, this is the nice free flow episode that we were trying to get here. Um, the dude would, would have won, like, he would have been in competition for the gold glove if he'd stayed on the roster the whole year. Who's that? I can't remember his name. Oh. <laughs> but, like, he was, like, dominating outs above average, like, through ha- halfway through the season. He was, like, the best American League first baseman. Hmm. Oh, this is going to kill me. I'm going to go back and listen to some of the episodes earlier in the year. By the way, they all, all 250 episodes you can listen to on Spreaker. We post the link in the bio of every single episode. Go check it out. The full catalog is it's not all on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, but Spreaker has them all. Go back and relive a full season of baseball with LJ and I if you want. <laughs> okay. I think I figured it out. Okay. Okay. Um, Astros Mariners, Nikki M. Pitcher, four innings, one earned. It had to be Nick, Nick Marjus. Nope, that's what it was. It was Nick Marjavicious because we couldn't couldn't say his last name. name, So we just called him Nikki M. I think it is. So according to baseball reference, it is Nick Marjavicious. Davichus. And it is spelled M-A-R-G-E-V-I-C-I-U-S. Nick Margavichus. Margavichus. It's not that it's not that hard to say. Yeah, no. Nick this Vienna. dude was like lightning in a bottle for like all of three seconds because <laughs> the dude went, yeah, four innings, one earned. He finishes the year with 12, 12 innings pitched and eleven earned runs. Solid. A solid 8.25 ERA on the year. Tough time for Nikki M. Um, but you know what? He lives forever in MLB Daily Lore. Now the one that I feel like should be easier. I should remember what we were talking about. The Village People Dodgers. The Village People Dodgers. Like, obviously the Village People is a reference to, like, the YMCA guys. But, like, why were we making a connection to them? I do not remember that one at all. Like, Nikki M, I at least, like, remember, like, talking about the Village People Dodgers. Dude, I have no freaking clue. I'm lost, LJ, on that one. Sorry, but yeah, no, I'm just I, I, I'm confused by it too. Um, either way, I mean, I guess I mean the village people are cool. Well, I guess we know for next year. Let's be a little more <laughs> specific when we write down yeah. our running gags. Let's let's not write down three words. Like let's maybe. <laughs> we aren't that smart. We aren't well, like. Well, no, 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 no. Let's only write down three words. Of the four, only two of them are three words, and they're the ones we got. Home run trout and big red contraption were the only two we got. Well, LJ, if it helps, I can tell you some of the other ones that I. Yes, that's what I was remember off the top of my head. 
Just some of my favorite moments from the season, just in general. Um, the Florida Man Rants About the Yankees episode is one of the best that we did. I think that was April 18th. I had just gotten back from a trip to Florida. The Yankees got embarrassed by the Rays. They were sitting at, I think, 2-10 or like 5-10 or something. They were last in the American League. And I sat down. It was a Sunday night. It was a Dodgers-Padres Sunday night game. And I sat down and I ranted for about 20 minutes about the Yankees. And this was 15 games into the year. Also on that same day, Michael Conforto leans over the plate into a pitch for the walk-off hit-by-pitch. Just April baseball was fantastic. We can't forget about Yerman Mercedes, the roller coaster that was Yerman Mercedes. Yerman um, the Vermin. Yerman the, the Vermin. Yerman the Vermin. I remember that one. The whole how is Yerman? Let's check. Let's do an Instagram check. Who is more stable on Instagram, Kanye West, Yerman Mercedes? <laughs> Kanye well, might be, or uh, I should say, Yerman might have him beat. Uh, we have a ton of posts since we last checked. The most recent, um, he is. In a bathing suit with um, looks to be some sort of drink in his hand on on a, like a pool deck with hashtag, uh, sun, sunshine emoji, hashtag the Yerminator, uh, skull face, hashtag team Yappa, hashtag Kfway fire emoji. Nice. So, you know, he looks to be doing good. He seems happy. Um Looks like he played uh, Dominican League. LJ, uh, I'm like reading through some of these uh, episode titles. <laughs> we were all over Corbin Burns. I mean, I see right oh, here. Yeah. Corbin Burns needs to be talked about. April 20th game recaps. Like, we were on this dude like early. You, Me and you. Well, I remember I picked Brandon Woodruff to win the Cy Young. I just picked the wrong Brewers guy. Um, let's see what else. Nacho win. You remember that title? Nacho win? Yes. Wow, this was um the potential fisticuffs between the Mets and Phillies. Right, right, right. Um, no, I was just funny though what you're saying that because I literally just passed. I'm as you're doing this, I'm scrolling as you're going through our uh Spreaker feed with all of our stuff as well as I believe most of them are all still up on iTunes and Spotify as well. Yep. If that's where you prefer to consume your uh, podcast media. I was flipping through some of our old itinerary documents and just checking to see, you know, what's going on in there, which uh, titles we were talking about. And he'd come up like three or four times in august as well and then was that that wasn't that was like his down month too like he only had like a handful of good moments for yeah i remember actually a lot of the august episodes because we were so focused on the nl central because we were like this division literally has no one like we're like what is going on and then that's when the cardinals start to win like 18 in a row or whatever it was that was crazy but we spent a lot of time talking about the cy young race and the MVP race, because in the AL, we already knew that it was pretty much Otani and Vlad pulling away. We knew Otani was going to win. But in the NL, I mean, LJ, how many different names did we throw out for, like, Cy Young, MVP, like, 
from August on, like, there was legitimately 10 guys that we thought could compete for, like, both awards at, at one point. Yeah, well, I think, yeah, August on, I think, no, July, yeah. I think really opened up in terms of MVP, if we want to talk about that in my head. The way I view this season is, well, first off, I was fully set and convinced that the MVP was Jacob deGrom until he ended up, you know, having to stop playing. Who else did I get all over? Because there was somebody else. You were on the Zach Wheeler train for Cy Young for a while. I remember there was a game the Padre against the Padres, and he, Joe Girardi left Zach Wheeler in in the ninth inning. You remember? I think you remember the game I'm talking about. I I hopped on the Bryce Harper train very quick. That's not very surprising with me, but um, I certainly that was like August that I fully got it. Oh, that was the other guy, um, and I feel very comfortable with this. First two and a half months of the year, Chris Bryant was probably second or third in MVP voting for the NL. The Cubs okay, were were really good. Like people Cubs forget, were very good. Cubs Cubs came out blazing at the start of the season. I mean, Cubs and Mets were like the they were the they were the talk of the NL. It was Cubs, Mets, and then a Dodgers Giants, and that's all people cared about. The rest of the NL East was was bad. The Braves were bad. The Nationals were really bad. The Phillies got off to a slow start. Uh, and Chris Bryant was tearing it up. Like, LJ, if, if he doesn't have as good of a season at the start, do you think the Cubs even trade him? Like, or no? Yes, he still has val- he still has so much value. Yeah, yeah, because he's about to be a free agent. Like, I also think it's um impossible to say he doesn't perform well. Like I look at Chris Bryant, and I'm I, I still am always going to see a star. If you take out that one season where he had like his arm was like torn in half, and he was trying to swing a bat and be able to stop in time and everything with it, like if you take that out. He's been a very consistently good player, and he's become smarter. He's learned to adjust, counter the counters that went against him when he tried to change the game forever and really did change the game forever. This guy, he's probably – his career is going to be a sub-MVP caliber guy. Like, he's going to be an elite player, but, like, sub-MVP. He is certainly capable of – being that for a long, long time now, even if he's not the MVP guy he was when he came up before people learned. And he's a free agent. So when baseball returns, I mean, who is getting Chris Bryant? That's something to look out for. Um, Honestly, LJ, is there, anywhere, what... is there anywhere else we could actually want him to go other than Seattle? No. I'm all over the Seattle bandwagon now, honestly. Like, I know that's a very competitive division, but there's so much to like there. How would you feel, LJ? Now, hear me out. If you say saw... Brent the Yankees, just no, 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 no. Come on now. You think how? What if we get Trevor there? Story, Carlos Correa, Matt Olson, Freddie Freeman? And... <laughs> yes, both of them, Freddie Freeman and Matt Olson. Yes. And then we go out and get Chris Bryant once we're done. LJ, I saw this the other day. Um, the Rangers they might still be active and Chris Bryan is the guy who you find a spot for him. 
LJ, you're laughing hysterically, but I told you the Rangers were going to sign guys in the offseason and they went and spent half a billion dollars. I know, but it's, that doesn't make it less of a waste. They're How would it be a waste? Good. All right. When Clayton Kershaw signs with the Rangers along with Chris Bryant. All right. Then talk to me. But yes, I, I think that they need much more than that to be competitive. They need pitching bad. Like, I would still say that they are probably they they max out at maybe the third third team in that division. You have to assume the Angels are going to get a little better. Like we can't just. I didn't. No, we cannot just count them as a lock. I think Seattle making the playoffs is more of a lock than the Angels. Oh yeah, I would I would put my money on Seattle every day of the week which is just so sad because it's like the team with the best play best the, two players best two players in the league and pony like Elja, you're telling me a team that has mike trout arguably the best baseball player ever shohei otani arguably the best baseball player ever anthony rendon <laughs> okay i didn't realize we were getting fully into the hot take section <laughs> Anthony Rendon, easily the best, easily the best baseball player ever. (laughs) (laughs) For that one season, the MLB really needed him for the narrative. I mean, 2020, the dude lit it up. And then in 2021, he's like, yeah, screw it. I'll just play like 60 games. Like I'm getting paid anyways. Like we suck. Uh, Trout got hurt. I can, I can be hurt for this year. He'll be back. We didn't even put him oh, on our what, top what ten third baseman list, and it was a travesty. But um, no, it wasn't. Um, I think it was LJ. I think it was. Um, what if he's just decided? You know, I'm gonna find a way to finagle sixty game seasons for the rest of my career. I mean, the dude is and like every every year since 2019. He's just gonna have sixty games or less. I don't know if you like if you've heard this, but I forget where I saw it or how I saw it. But like people have said that he genuinely does not treat baseball like like a sport. It's just his job. Like his job is baseball player. He does not genuinely love the game. I've heard the same thing about Tim Anderson too, where sure they are still giving a hundred and ten percent on the field, but they don't love baseball the way that other players do, where they're a fan of the sport. They just treat it like their occupation, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just interesting to see players that have that mindset because there certainly is players that do feel like that and are not massive fans of the game. Yeah, but that disappoints me, though, because can you imagine, first off, can you imagine how good he'd be? Would like, he? Or, yes, like, he would, because I think there's a huge difference in what you can possibly bring to the game when you actually love it but i also think i don't understand how he does it like look at like journalism is a very aggressive very competitive field it's a lot of hours it's a lot of weird hours it's brutal work the people that are in this field absolutely adore not only where they work but the work that they do they are in love with the idea of journalism the ideology of journalism and what it brings to the table that's why they do it they don't do it just for the cash and because they're good at it they do it because this is their purpose this is their mission that's the same thing with baseball you're playing 
should be playing 160 games or at least 150 games a season for your team. You're playing through the hottest months of the year. Getting through the dog days of summer, I don't understand how you can do that without adoring the sport for this long, to get all the way through the minor leagues, to stay in the major leagues, to perform at this high, this high level in the majors while not truly loving it. I don't know how you can do it. I would love to see like a like if every MLB player had to take some kind of like psychology test. Um, I don't even know how you would do this, but I know the NFL does the Wonderlick test, where basically just tests players' basic intelligence, it's very basic math problems. The MLB had something like that. I feel like that'd be pretty cool. I want to see like what players are genuinely the smartest. Like, is Yadi Molina? Like, we're assuming he would get a very high score. I would love to see a test like that, but it's about baseball. Like, stuff in baseball that is very, like, intricate, like, rules, stuff like that. that and see what players are genuinely very knowledgeable about their sport. We know guys like Carlos Correa, Joey Votto. They know what baseball savant is. They know what fan graphs is. And, you know, for people like me and LJ, when we hear a player talk about that, it's like, holy crap. Like, these guys are literally— my best friend. <laughs> yeah. Carlos Correa, yes, bro, you can come to the Yankees. I don't care that, that you're A-Rod 2.0. Yes, come to the Yankees. I don't care. You know what launch angle is. You know what expected batting average is. We love you. Just come here. I want to give you a hug, Carlos Correa. That's how I feel. How do, do you really see him as—how do you see him as the next A-Rod? Based on everything I've read, like the dude just has the same personality. Uh, like A Rod, just when he, I've read a lot about this and from, and I've like heard people talking about it. I don't remember A Rod coming to the Yankees. It was 2003. I was one years old, like obviously, or excuse me, off season of 2003 going into 2004. So I was still about to be two years old. A-Rod has always been very confident, very pompous, and there's nothing wrong with that. We see it in all sports. I mean, you look in the NBA, someone like, and this is probably not a good example because of what he does for his team, but when you see Chris Paul, if you're not a fan of that guy, you would absolutely hate him because he's always in the ref's face, like just trying to do stuff like that. A-Rod has more than his fair share of times where it's like, wow, like this guy is just not likable in certain moments. And Carlos Correa, I think it's fair to say, the whole thing with Joe Kelly in the 2020 season, him essentially crying that he got struck out after um, his his teammate got intentionally hit by a pitch, him, him crying about it. Um, I can see why people don't like him. Yet the skill level is just so much higher compared to most of those around him that you you tolerate that. We know Derek Jeter and A-Rod did not like each other. I don't think we need to get into that anymore. Carlos Correa, I feel, is kind of the same way, where you have this super talented guy, but just takes no accountability for the cheating, which, like we've seen, he probably had the worst answer to the interview question out of anyone. Yet he's so good that, LJ, I don't even care anymore. And I hate the Astros more than a lot of teams. But I don't even care. I just want the guy. He's good. He's going to win games for the Yankees. 
And that's what Yankee fans felt about A-Rod. It was like, yeah, this guy's a huge asshole, but he's going to win us games, and that's what matters. Um, all right, quick quick tangent on Chris Paul, because you knew that would get me going. Yes, I know, I, I know. Don't, <laughs> I don't understand how any logically informed NBA fan could ever hate Chris Paul, because nine times out of ten, when Chris Paul is arguing with refs, he's right. No, he is, and he argues and, the most intricate, dumb rules, but he's right, LJ, and that's what pisses fans the off. That, is the that thing they... that gets gets the refs mad and the thing that gets him technical fouls is the fact that he knows the rule book better than the refs. I honestly, I was cracking up watching um, an interview with him the other day. Um, big Chris Paul fan here, if you can't tell. Um, where he was talking about a technical foul and a fine he'd received from the league for arguing because when you're fouled at midcourt, you get to decide in the middle of the court, you get to decide which side you want to take the ball out on. And he wouldn't let him take it out on the side that was most advantageous for his like dribbling hand. And that's where he wanted to take it out. And so he's like, but isn't this the rule? Like what's going on here? And then he's like, all right, I don't care if you, I don't care if you find me, but like, I'm right. Right. <laughs> and, um, and then that's the thing. If you don't like Chris Paul to begin with, or you're the fan of like his rival team, you see that clip and you're like, bro, like, are you kidding me? But for people like me and you, because I love Chris Paul, I think he's so underrated. He's just a fantastic player. You, For us, we see that and we're like, oh my God, I love this guy. Like, that's so awesome. And for the Astros fans, I'm sure there's Astros fans that just love Carlos Correa. But then you see some of his other answers to, like, press conferences, and I'm like, dude, like, is this a Garrett Cole answering about spider tech? Like, what what, what, are, you, what are you thinking about right now, Carlos? And that's the thing. I, I just, I think the comparison is almost too good between A-Rod and Carlos Correa, and especially that, they're, that he's rumored to go to the Yankees. That's why I bring it up. It's just, I love guys like this in sports. We see... If you want to go way back in basketball, Rick Barry, just a very self-centered guy. He would have been a perfect tennis player, golfer, boxer, not a team sport where you don't need to think about your team. Carlos Correa, in baseball, you have the opportunity where you can step up there and it's just you who's in control of what's happening. And that's what makes baseball great is that it's so many different individuals that add up to the final result. But it can allow players to have these personalities where if you're Carlos Correa or A-Rod and all you're used to is just tearing up the league, you're going to get this confidence about you. You're going to get this swagger and people are going to like you and people, you're just going to be a very polarizing figure. And that's what makes the sport, that's what makes sports great. LJ, imagine if we sat around and we said, I there's no problems with, with this league. Every single player I just greatly appreciate. Like, no, that's no fun. We need to be, we need to get hate back into sports. We need fans genuinely hating opponents. And Carlos Correa going to the Yankees, it's just the death star. The Yankees become one of the most hated teams in the league, once again, all because of one move. We saw it with Stanton, how much hate the Yankees got. Do it. At New York Yankees, this has been my unofficial pitch, but... Look, I, uh, it's interesting. I see it, I see Carlos Correa a little different than you. 
I agree with you in terms of the unlikability. And I frankly, I agree with the hate. Honestly, can we add after we do our top 10 relievers, can we do our top 10 most hated players? Yes. I love that. I love that. That'll be in a few weeks. I got to really think about that one. That'll be great. But in my head, here's how I see Carlos Correa. I cannot disagree with you. He is not likable at all. I do not like him as a person. But when you watch an Astros game, the there's something more than just confidence there. There's a level of leadership that I've noticed, particularly in this last this last season, that I hadn't noticed before. And that's, again, part of growth. Maybe he's actually has, as much as he didn't take responsibility, learned from the whole cheating thing. I think also, I think you have to give especially in baseball, a little bit of benefit of the doubt on some of these answers yeah. with the language barrier. Um, also, so, just because you're getting interviewed like way more than any other sport, like you're getting talked to pretty much every single day. Like yeah. a bad answer is going to slip out at some point. Yeah, exactly. So, but no, I think particularly in this last year, you watch an Astros game and you see a leader, you see a captain in Carlos Correa. You see a guy who's going to command the locker room and that's something special that's something i never really saw out of a rod so i think he's a step past in that regard which is bet much better for the locker room than even a better player than carlos gray is and what also makes sports great is that lj and i can sit here and talk for hours on end about baseball and find stuff to talk about exactly great We've now done 250 episodes, and we have never run out of things to talk about. <laughs> there was not one episode where we were like, what are we going to sit here and talk about? And We had a list at one point of backup things for like mid-season. Like if it was June, and we had nothing to talk about. What are we going to do? And that never became an issue. We have figured out since December 1st how to keep a weekly show going with – seemingly zero news no signings no trades there's no firings there's no hirings and we have been able to put out shows for the last few months for the last however long we 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 never stop at mlb daily the longest break we took was from the end of the season it was a six 17 day break from the last World Series game until the awards came out. Uh, but we just keep on moving forward. We will be back the next few weeks. Next week, we've got top 10 starting pitchers. The week after that, top 10 relievers. And now added to the schedule, you heard it here first. The week after that, three weeks from now, our top 10 most hated players in Major League Baseball. LJ, do you have anything else you want to say as we wrap up episode number 250 of MLB Daily? Hug your puppies and kitties. Yes. Uh, also, I got to say it here at the end, for those who are sticking around, congrats to Odell Beckham Jr. Mm-hmm. Receiving a ring as a Giants fan. It, it made me emotional last night, not only seeing him tear his ACL, which we wish a speedy recovery. One, 
Screw turf fields. Turf fields are the bane of existence for football players. A non-contact injury like that. Is there any is there any sport that actually likes playing on turf? No. None. None. Um turf fields are dumb. They're bad. Especially for what see is seemingly an outside stadium. Uh halftime show was pretty cool. It was alright. I mean, I like I like Snoop Dogg, so yeah, it was, nice. it was one of the weird ones where I was like, I don't usually, I usually hate the halftime show, so I appreciate when I find ones that I like, but I have, I have yet to find one I really love. Yeah, and so much of the Super Bowl now is just the entertainment around the game more than the actual game, but the game, at least for us, LJ and I, we've been in a fantasy football league six years now. We love football just almost as much as we love baseball. Um, yeah, and too, too though we love love the entertainment. Yeah, and this is why I've always this is something I've always had an issue with, and not to derail things as we were just about to uh, leave. But why do we always have at best okay Super Bowl halftime shows? Like, have you ever heard of something of, of a? When was the last time we heard of a Super Bowl halftime show that the consensus was this is great? Why is this why is this such a hard thing to achieve? I think and I'll say this and then we'll wrap. Um you know, one of my friends here who's a sports management major, he said that they were actually talking about this uh, in a Syracuse sports management class that not a single person gets paid a dime to perform the halftime show. It's all free advertising for these artists, which more than makes up for it. But maybe if they had an incentive and maybe if they let them sing for more than 15 minutes, because a problem with last night's show is that 15 minutes and they had five, six artists, it's tough to cram all that in there. Maybe give them 18 minutes, 20 minutes. You don't have to make it a half an hour show, but I feel like the problem, though. We already have it. We've we already see an issue where like one of the most grueling challenges of the NFL season every year is coming out of the Super Bowl halftime because it's significantly longer than the regular halftime already. Yeah, yeah. All right, Brandon made his pitch. I'm going to make my pitch to end the show. Can we get if if we can get a rap hip hop combo mashup like this this year? Can we get something even bigger and even better next year? Boy band mashup. New kids on the block. Boys to men. Backstreet Boys. Jonas Brothers. I don't know. Just like hey, Jonas up. Brothers. Uh, now we're talking. How about we get Big Time Rush in there? One Direction. No, like no. You think think about it, though, like especially like those the '90s, the classic era boy band. I think people would go crazy for that because they already do. They already did. Uh, they did one show last year. They did Boy Band Christmas, and that did really well um on abc so like i think there's a real market where people go crazy if you got these groups together to do a super bowl halftime show if you don't like boys to men like there's there's a big issue big issue can, can we agree with that all age groups should should like their music yeah honestly i'm i am a diehard boy band fan i'm not afraid to admit it harmonies it's great like music from a music standpoint all, all those boy band music is amazing, but yeah, you're right, especially them. 
And I think it's great that you do appreciate, like, I know you're not a big hip-hop rap fan whatsoever, but they still made the show entertaining enough for the people that don't like rap to still leave and be like, oh, you know, that was that was cool. Like, that was that was good what they did. I think it's also that that's also why it's important. Like, you can have some people that are, like, very well, great in their niche. But you need somebody that's going to stretch outside of that niche. Like, that's Eminem for me. Yeah. Like, I know Eminem. His stuff is, like, because, like, his beats are just, like, the beats that in his songs are, like, too good for me not to, like, be able to get with. It's great. Well, thank you for listening to NFL Daily, <laughs> NBA Daily. We, we actually managed to talk about three of the four major sports on this one. Honestly, that was another idea that we ha- I haven't pitched, but we need to do one of these days. We need to have a show, a special one here, where we just talk about everything but baseball. Our subscriber count will either significantly increase <laughs> or significantly decrease, and there is no in between with that come, one. Come for, come for your baseball takes. Stay for F one college basketball. Um, go Cuse, baby. Curling. Go Cuse. Let's go Team Mono USA. Bob. Team USA in the Olympics. You better Mono be support. Bob. Like, if I didn't already have blue balls for F one watching the mono bob that's basically f1 on ice i've gotten into curling for those i will end with this there's a site kenpom.com it's all college basketball analytics he has branched out and has a curling site where he ranks the top curlers in the world double takeout.com for those who are interested in betting olympic curling Ken Palm is your source. This guy is unbelievable with everything. He's got previews for the Olympics. Check it out. Thank you for listening. Episode 250 in the books. We cannot wait to be back next week. Hopefully with more positive baseball news. See ya. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Winner.